0: This morning we are going to be in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 22, verses 39 through 42. We've been looking at this short passage for four weeks now. I hope you've found it to be very enriching. I know that I have. I have started to put into practice some of these habits, and it has made an immense effect upon my own prayer life. And I hope that it has been that way for you. If you've missed any of those, you can go to our website. And you can listen to the podcast or you can go to YouTube uh, via our website and you can watch those podcasts or those sermons uh, to catch up. Just really feel like this has been um, important for us as a church as we have this theme this year. We want to listen for the voice of God. I think that there's two primary ways that we do that. One, that we do it through understanding his word, understanding scripture, studying scripture, knowing it, uh, not just in our heads, but in our hearts as well. And secondly, then, uh, through prayer. So I think this has a, a major effect upon us. Will have a major effect upon us. I, I just pray that you would you would want your prayer life to be even better. Right? I think that's what God is calling us to. Our prayer lives would be even a little bit better after this. And so... Um, Luke chapter 22, 39 through 42. Read that with me. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. So four weeks ago, we began this series by looking at this short prayer. And we said, what are four things that we can learn about our prayer life from this small prayer right before Jesus is betrayed, crucified, and then rises again from the grave? He knows this is coming. Right, this is a the, one of the, Jesus' most human moments, and so in one of this, this, these human moments, this most human moment for Jesus, what can we as humans learn from Jesus, the fully God, fully man? So we said the first step four weeks ago was we need to go to the garden. The passage says this. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. And we said, You need to find a place and make a regular habit out of prayer. This is what Jesus did. He went out as usual. And so my challenge to all of us was to begin to find a place or places where we naturally hear the voice of God a little clearer. Maybe it's somewhere on the mountain where you just hear the voice of God. You can you have this sense of awe. And wonder about God. And you go to that place on a regular basis. Maybe it's somewhere in your home. Or your office. Or there's a table that you sit next to. And you do devotions on. You open your Bible. And you just lay everything out before God. Wherever it is. I would encourage you to find a place. And make it a regular habit. Did it this week? I have a little place. I have a bunch of different places, but one of them is tucked down by the river. Went down there. Lord called me at one point. She's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm talking to Jesus uh, down by the river." She's like, "You fishing?" I'm like, "Nah, not today." So I was uh, I was talking to God, and I may have done fishing later. Um, (laughs) So we first step we go to the garden. We go to the garden. Just like Jesus did, as was usual. Uh, Second step, we get in the proper posture. We get in the proper posture. So Jesus withdrew from his disciples about a stone's throw, and he knelt down. And what we said is, when you come to prayer, you come alone. You come on your own. Yeah, maybe, maybe there's folks around, but you really, you withdraw to a special place where you can, you can come face to face with God, just you and God. So you can have a a conversation. So we withdraw and then we kneel, which is the natural response to approaching a throne we said the picture here is that we're approaching the throne of God that's what prayer is it's approaching the mercy seat of God the throne of God and so we want to take a humble position before God we want to kneel before him both our both our head our hands our heart we want to kneel all of ourselves before him and we want to get in the proper posture we want to withdraw and come humbly before the throne and then when we've gone to this garden uh, this place in this habit, and we've gone humbly and we've gone alone. The third step we said last week was we want to have an honest conversation. We want to be honest with God. Uh, we, we don't need to make things tidy. We don't think, need to make things cute. We don't need to make things pretty for, for God. He can handle it. He can handle it if you're mad or disappointed or you're angry or you're frustrated. He can handle whatever you got. The Psalms are filled with people who are frustrated and filled with great angst about what God is or isn't doing. So whether it's the best day of your life or the worst day of your life, you can talk to God honestly about what is going on and he can handle it. So go to the garden, get in the proper posture. Step number three, have an honest conversation. And today's message is this. Embrace submission. Embrace submission. See, last week we said, Jesus said, take this cup from me. He knows what's coming. He's honest with God. I don't want to deal with all this. I don't want to be denied. I don't want to be crucified. Is there any other way? He's honest with his father about this, but then he ends with this passage yet, not my will, but yours be done. He embraces submission. How many of you have a positive reaction when I say the phrase, embrace submission? <laughs> Anybody? Right? Um, some, some of the ladies in the room are like, oh no, I hope he's not doing that passage on women submit to your... I'm not. I'm not going to do that one this morning. Okay? Okay? Just so we can all breathe. That's a different sermon for a different day. All right? Um, actually, that passage starts with this phrase, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Reread that, men, and love your love your wives better. That should be the message. Anyway, that's just extra. Okay. For me, here's what actually comes to mind: MMA. Anybody watch MMA, mixed martial arts? Okay, a couple of you, and a couple of you are like oh, I don't want to admit it, but you do. Okay. So it's just MMA, mixed martial arts has become kind of a thing in the United States and it's brutal and it's like gladiators for us nowadays, right? We're not far from the Romans and these two guys or gals now, uh, they get into the ring and they just beat the snot out of each other for our pure entertainment, okay? And one of the things that can happen is that you can win by submission, You can win by submission. So a lot of these folks are trained in Judo or uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and what they learn is how to submit people. And so they'll be grappling on the ground, and the one guy will be punching, and the other guy will just grab an ankle or something, and suddenly the guy who's punching is really big and strong. is like tapping on the ground like a sad little baby, right? Like, let me go! He's embracing submission. That's kind of the picture. That comes to mind for me. And you can win an MMA fight by submitting your opponent. Whatever picture comes to mind, my guess is it's not pleasant. My guess is uh, to submit doesn't seem like a pleasant thing. Because the idea of submission, it, it doesn't tend to be a positive one. Especially in the world that we live in. Right? Especially in the way that the world defines submission. And so this morning what we want to do is unpack the idea of embracing submission in a biblical way. I don't want to unpack this in a worldly way. I want to look at the Bible and I want to look at Jesus. And I want to find out what is he saying when he says this. Yet not my will, but yours be done. He also prays that in the Lord's prayer, correct, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, right? So what does it mean for us to embrace submission in a world that has a different message? See, let's get let's get around that first. Here's the world's message. The world's message is this, and it's confusing. The world's message is my will be done. That's it. That's the world's message. That is the message you have heard over and over and over and over again. My will be done. Even Burger King thinks you should have your burger right away your way, right? <laughs> they, they do. They think that it is your will that should be done. This is, uh, listen, listen to these words. This is your life. This is your body. This is your money. This is your stuff. This is yours. Does that sound like a bad message? It sounds like something we hear every day, right? sounds like something that we hear every day and it's often colored in a, just a beautiful spectrum of color under a marketing flag and it's just like, you need this for you, 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 And, and, and there's some beauty in this. Right? Our country is all about individual freedom. right? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Right? And you just give your kid a happy meal and then they're happy. Um, but can I just pose this I, I look around and I don't think that this ideal is working the right way. Here, here's what I mean. Um, I think this freedom of expression is is whack right now. And I think that everybody thinks that they should get what they get. And I don't know about you, but like if we all got just just in this room, if we all said, this is how we're going to run things around here. You get what you get, and you get what you get, and you get what you get, and you get what you want, and you get what you want, and you get what you want. Would anybody really get their way? No, right? I mean, it would be chaos. It would be craziness. And if I look around the world right now, it's interesting to see that there's a lot of chaos that's built around the idea that this is my life, that this is mine, this is all about me. See in your marriage, if your spouse only cares about themselves, how good of a marriage is it? right? Married people? If your spouse is like, "Hey, this is what you need to do for me," you're like, "Oh, you're not great right now, you know And oftentimes I call this the crazy cycle. one spouse, one spouse says. I need this. And the other spouse says, well, I need this. And if you don't give me what I need, and then the other spouse says, well, if you don't give me what I need, right? And it's a crazy cycle. If your kid says to you, this is what I need, dad and mom. This, this is what I need. I, I demand it. I deserve it. It should be mine. I deserve that toy. See, and if I don't get that toy, I'm going to scream like a bloody murder in Target. You're going to feel so guilty, you're just going to buy it for me to shut my mouth, right? Because you're so embarrassed. I mean, these are just theoretical things I'm throwing out there. These don't happen in real life. But, um, see, we have a word for this, don't we? And that word is what? Selfish. That's the word. And I want to admit something to you this morning. I want, a, I want a little soul cleansing. And I hope you do too. Or maybe I'm the only one. I don't know. We'll find out in a second. See, I, I have this problem. And I had it since I was little. Um, and it grew in me as I, as I grew. Uh, especially in high school and college. This problem just grew and grew and grew. Within me and when I got married I knew it was a really big problem And now that I have kids I know that this is like a monumental problem And, and here's the problem And I'm going to admit it to you Hi my name's Brian and I'm selfish Anybody else need to make that admission this morning? Okay Oh we oh, got some hands Alright Man um, When I don't get what I want I get mad I get frustrated uh, when people don't see things the way I see them, I think to myself, they should just see it my way. Um, and 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 I have I have this problem within me. And, and I think if we're all really honest, you, we, we all do. We're all in the boat and the, sip, sit, the boat is sinking. We're taking on water, we can't get enough out, and it's sinking, and it's sinking, and it's sinking, and it's the boat called selfishness. The S-S selfishness, my will be done. Now, I, I, there are things that you need, right? Um, And 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 so your needs need to be taken care of, and I understand that. And I don't want to go to like some crazy extreme on this, but I I also um, I want to push against that idea that you're hearing every single day in every single marketing campaign that this is your life and all about you, you, you. I want to say that there might be there might be a better way. And the garden's message, which I think is the better way, is this: Thy will be done. So Jesus models something entirely different. He embraces submission, not my will be done, but instead he says to God, your will be done. Thy will be done. If you're reading the King James version, okay, your will be done. God, not my will be done. I mean, in this really human moment, Jesus does not want this cup. He does not want to drink this cup of God's wrath upon him for all the sins of the, past, present, and future. He doesn't want to become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Like, in this human, most human moment, he like, he doesn't want that cup, and then he says, no God, but you know what? Not my will. Not not what I want, but what you want. Not what I want, but what you want. And so the garden's message is radical. It's just so Radical. He looks into the loving eyes of his father and he says, I, I don't want this cup. Instead, just, uh, but I, but I will, I will, I will drink this cup on your behalf. This is the plan. This is your will. I believe in it. I trust you. And so your will be done. And I actually think that there's real freedom in this. I don't think there's just, um, the facade of freedom in this. As a staff, we've been reading uh, this Richard Foster book. I highly recommend it called um, The Celebration of Disciplines. That's, that's a bestseller, right? Celebration of Disciplines. You're all like, oh, where can I get it? Okay. Um, but he, he, what he does is, is Richard Foster goes through a, a bunch of spiritual disciplines uh, for us to work on, to make habits of our life, to grow in areas. And, and the chapter we read in God's providence this past week was on submission. And here's what he says about submission. He ties each of these uh, categories like simplicity or prayer or service. He ties them all to um, what you can be freed, where there's freedom in the discipline. And this is what he says. What freedom corresponds to submission? It's this, the ability to lay down the terrible burden of always needing to get our own way. The obsession to demand that things go the way we want them to go is one of the greatest bondages in human society today. People will spend weeks, months, even years in a per- perpetual stew because some little thing did not go as they wished. Listen to these words again, okay? It's the ability to lay down the terrible burden of always needing to get our own way. I don't know about you, but when I get selfish, it feels like a burden, it feels like an obsession. Like it feels like a weight on my back, and and I do. I think of well, how can I get my way, and how how can I get somebody else to think the way I'm thinking, and and how can I get them to do what I want them to do? This becomes the the pattern of thought in my in my head, and and it 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 just eats away at me. And I don't know if it eats away at any of you, but like I, I think we spend a lot of time thinking about this. How can I get my way? And the beauty and the freedom of submission, especially to God, is to say, you know what? Not my will, but yours be done. We want to embrace submission. And I want to talk particularly, we want to embrace submission when it comes to God. I don't have time to get into all the ins and outs of mutual submission within the church and within uh, uh, families. We'll we'll get there. I'll preach a sermon on it or five, I promise, at some point. But... um, but, but I want to get around the idea that we can, we can embrace submission in particular with God. And here's why. The reason we can embrace submission is God is trustworthy. He's trustworthy. Psalm 62, verses 5 through 8. you got those printed in, in your bulletin. It says this, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He's my, he's, he only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O oh people. All times, I translated it in Hebrew, it means all. Okay. Um, it doesn't. <laughs> didn't go over as well as I thought it would. It's funny. It does mean all good times. Yes. Bad times. Yes. Everything in between. Yes. Trust him at all times. O people pour out your heart before him for God is a refuge for us. And I want to go beyond this, right? Because this is a great little psalm. It's, it's David crying out saying, hey, you can trust in God. You should trust in God at all times. This is David who was chased around for much of his life, trying to be killed off by uh, folks who just, they, they, were, they had it out for him. This is the same David who stood in front of Goliath and was wondering, I wonder if God's going to save me from this big, big man with a spear that's as long as I am, right? Right? This is a man that knew how to trust in God at all times, even when he sinned, even when he, he fell deeply into sin, even when he had uh, another woman's husband murdered. He knew he had to trust in God at all times. And the question is, why? Why can we trust in God? And I want to just pose four categories here, not on your outline, uh, but I just want to pose these four attributes of God, we'll call them, attributes of God. Four things that we know about God from Scripture. Things that we learn in the stories. Things that we learn in the Psalms. Things that we learn in the wisdom literature, in the history. Things that we learn in the Gospels and in the prophetic works. Okay, these are the four things we learn about the nature of who God is. Number one, he's omniscient. Omniscient. It's a big word, but this is what it means. He knows everything. He, he's all omni. He's all-knowing. He knows everything. One of the passages, it it says, He knows when a hair falls from your head. Okay? He knows everything about you. Sometimes I like to put a little fear into my children. And so I say, Daddy knows everything. Things like that. Like, Daddy's going to find out. Daddy knows everything. Right? Dad doesn't really know everything, but that's what I want him to think especially when they turn to a teenager, right? But God knows, he knows everything. Good, bad, otherwise, he knows it all. He knows a thought before it even comes to your mind, right? This, this is Psalm 139. And so we can embrace his omniscience. He knows all things. He's omnipresent, which means he's all present. He's, he's everywhere. He's here with us right now. He's he's with you when you're doing the plumbing project and you're saying those words under your breath. He's with you. He's all present. Right? He's with you when you're driving the canyon. He's with you when you're shopping. He's with you when you're loving your kids. He's with you when you're not loving your spouse. He's with you when you're He's with you all the time. He's all present. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's all powerful. He is all powerful. He can do whatever he wants to do. When Jesus walked the earth, he decided one day, I'm going to walk on some water. Don't know anybody else that can actually do that. David Blaine's got a really cool trick, but it's a trick. Jesus actually walked on water. Jesus actually ascended to heaven. Jesus performed real miracles. He was all-powerful. Even the wind and the waves obeyed Him. And He's omnibenevolent. He's all good. We we sang about that. You are good. Good. Oh, you're so, so good. Romans 12. Romans 12 says this. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't buy the world's message. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to and approve what God's will is he is good and pleasing and perfect will I don't know about your will but my will I would not call good pleasing or perfect even on a Monday it's just not going to happen right but God's will is good and pleasing and perfect even when I have cancer yes His will is good, pleasing, and perfect. Did He will that upon me? Oh, that's a hard one. we got to have a little conversation over coffee or something, right? But I can tell you this. He's going to work through that cancer because He has good will for your life. He has a good plan for your life. And you're willing to get outside of yourself and say, God, what is your will in this situation? Man, things are going to change. You're going to see things in a whole new light because God is trustworthy in the valley and on the mountaintop god is trustworthy and he has a good and pleasing and perfect will and so the challenge is this and we're going to close up and sing one last song a song of declaration this morning move from my to thy Move from my to thy. I don't know where in your life you need to move from my will to thy will, but I can, I can guess that most of us have some areas where we go, man, I need to move from my to thy in this area of my life. C.S. Lewis says it like this. There are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. All that are in hell, choose it. Without that self-choice, there could be no hell. No soul that seriously and constantly desires joy will ever miss it. Those who seek will find, and those who knock, it will be opened. So the question, it's not just a small question. What C.S. Lewis is posing here is, is this is the question. The question. Whose life is it? Do you embrace the words of Paul when you say, For I am crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me? Or do you say, No, this is my, this is my life. I want you to move from my to that. I want you to call upon the Lord. See, this is the question. Who do you look for in moments when things are hard? Who do you look for when moments when things are good? Who do, you, who do you praise when things are good? Do you praise yourself or do you praise God? When things are hard, do you blame God or do you go to God? And do you ask him, what's your will in this moment? Is it about my will or is it about God's will? And so I, I want to give us a moment to respond to this message this morning. I think every single prayer should end with, God, what is your will in this? And so I want to end today the same way. And the kids are going to lead us with the palm branches because the king came into Jerusalem. And this series has been about approaching the throne of God. It's been about approaching the throne of the king. And so I want to invite the worship team to come and lead us in one last song called, Call Upon the Lord. So it's Palm Sunday. A Sunday where everyone waved palm branches and laid their cloaks down on the ground for the king to come in on the donkey. And what's funny is, do you know why they crucified him? Because he didn't do it the way they wanted him to do it. They said, wait a minute, Jesus. Our will was for you to overthrow the Romans. My will be done, Jesus. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. This is even bigger than me. This is about me saving the world with my death upon the cross. And I trust my Father because guess what? With death always comes resurrection. For a Christian, with death always comes resurrection. And so let's, let's think about these words. Let's sing these words out to God. Let's call upon the Lord. So Let's not call upon ourselves. Let's call upon the Lord. Please stand as we finish off this service.